Hi, everybody. You're listening to episode three of Eight Minute Movies Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in eight minute chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. Hello. Hello, Peter. How are you? Tell me all about it. Oh, oh you've done it. You first the first time. Um, I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I insist. I, I need full details. Oh, I'm 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 fine. Uh, I continue to exist as all of us continue to do. Um, I've recently been watching a television show. What's the TV show? It's called Counterpart, and it's a spy drama set in Berlin. Um, and it, I can't say much more than that because it would be really spoilery to do, but it's really good and you should go watch it. Yeah, um, I, I I have been watching this. I, I watched the first season. Uh, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to talk about. So this is, it is going to be. A it is very very hard to talk about without spoiling it. Um, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible um, topic of conversation for a podcast. All I will say is that. Um, uh, it is weird to watch a program where the main character's surname is Silk. You don't get that often. It's not that common, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, that's just very unusual to me. Mister Silk. Um, There's also a character in it called Peter, uh, <laughs> but he's a little shit. <laughs> Spoilers. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's much of a spoiler. I didn't. I didn't like him from the start. <laughs> no, he he is an asshole from the minute he first appears. But maybe there's a hashtag Peter Redemption arc. Who knows? Hmm. Um. <laughs> um. Oh, what else have I been up to lately? Um. Well, I haven't really been outside because of that whole virus thing. You know, that's still ticking on. Um. I um I bought some trousers online. That mm -hmm. that's that's something I did recently. Um and uh it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> I see. I cut my own hair today. That <laughs> yet to be determined whether that was a terrible mistake. Show us the hair. It's not that interesting to be honest. Send uh, we demand hair pics. <laughs> I haven't gone like all the way down or anything. It's just a, <laughs> it, it, it's just a bit tidier. It was getting a bit ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm getting pretty good at administering my own haircuts. Um, yeah. But I did I did notice the other day that I'd I'd missed a tiny spot while I was doing it before. Like you know the bit that's on the absolute back dead center of your head that's quite yeah. hard to reach <laughs> oh yeah like usually in the, like the week after i do this i'll like have a shower and then notice like a thing is sticking out weirdly somewhere and i'll just give it a <laughs> bit of a snip and eventually it will fall into line mm. but yeah it turns out if you've got quite thick hair you can get away with a lot <laughs> <laughs> oh hashtag humble brag uh <laughs> <laughs> If your hair is as luxuriant and silky as mine. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's it's thick enough that hairdressers comment on it when I go to the hairdresser. And they see hair all the time, so it must be of note. Women women fear you, fish cut your hair. I don't know where I was going with that. I... Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> it, went very, it went very wrong from the start. Yes. Uh, women are frightened of your hair, um, is where I was trying to get to with that. That just sounds like some sort of clickbait headline. <laughs> <laughs> Ten reasons women are frightened of this man's hair. 
Uh, Jesus Christ. To somehow wrestle this back onto track. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, all right. Introduce the concept, it says in my notes. Your turn. Do it. it. I don't know what yeah. it is, but I'll take it. Fine. It's your, it's your um, turn. Uh, we are watching the film Alien the that came out in let's say 19 I don't know the year I'm sorry I've let you all down you know you're not going to narrow it down to a decade I, I the thing is it's on a cusp isn't it so I'm not sure which way to go come on man I, I i'm particularly annoyed because i i said i said the year it was made out loud five minutes ago so <laughs> why don't you listen to me <laughs> is it 79 is, is yeah. it... yes it's right. 1979 right okay fine so uh, we're watching the 1979 film alien and we're doing it in eight minute chunks and then discussing each eight minute chunk of it um we also are going to talk about a few other things uh, related to the film in some way. Uh, and we usually have some sort of game where we have a little bell like this. And uh, the current rules of this game, and they are subject to change, we're thinking about it, uh, is that whenever either of us uses the word thing... And we're not talking about the rules of this game. Uh, and we're not talking... Does it still apply that we're not talking about the film, the thing? I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> and we're not talking about the film, the thing, or the monster in the film, the thing. Then um, we get to ding the bell, and then the other person will feel feel annoyed momentarily before we move on with our lives. Um, that This is a holdover from the other podcast that we did, which if you've seen and like the thing you should go and listen to that podcast where we were trying to talk about the thing without saying the word thing out of context <laughs> that wasn't the whole point of the podcast but it, it certainly did come up <laughs> it certainly did come up and um it certainly is a gimmick which we're desperately uh, clinging on to, even though it makes no sense anymore. It's completely irrelevant, and in fact, last time we didn't do it at all. Mm. Look, I tell you what, a new rule, new rule time. Um, you know, twenty-seven episodes in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, we we can ding if we use the word alien, but we mean it in the concept of belonging to a foreign country uh, or something that is unfamiliar and disturbing or distasteful. Hmm. <laughs> You know, in that way that people do all the time, which is almost never. <laughs> right, okay, well I'll keep that in mind for when it comes up. Um, we can double ding. Well, um, isn't that exciting? Um, sh should we reveal the behind-the-scenes fact that you broke your bell just before the recording, or...? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I, um, I I stepped on the bell um, the other day, which was extremely painful. Um, uh, Good. <laughs> but uh, what I didn't realise uh, was I also bent it out of shape, so it was kind of sounding a bit like that for a, <laughs> for a while, uh, which just will not do, so I was trying to bend it back into shape, so it makes a lovely resonant sound. Yeah, you better have fixed it, because I bought these bells, and I am not made of money. 
Uh, how much were they, Kieran? £4.92 each. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, including delivery. Someone's someone's being ripped off there. Um. <laughs> oh, dear. So we reached a section of the podcast, uh, which we call Let's Not Talk About The Thing, um, which, again, is a holdover from this show being entirely about the thing. Uh, oh, we should have workshopped these. Wherein I say some facts to prolong your enjoyment of the podcast and our inevitable demise. Um, Peter, guess what I'm talking to you about today? Uh, are you talking about one of the video games? Uh, no, I am not. I am talking to you about popular actress Sigourney Weaver. Okay. Mm. Sigourney Weaver was born on October the 8th, 1949, and is an American actress considered to be a pioneer of action heroines in science fiction films. I wonder what role led to that. Yeah, that seems, seems legit. She's known for her role as Ellen Ripley in the Alien franchise, duh, uh, which earned her an Academy Award nomination in 1986 and is often regarded as one of the most significant female protagonists in cinema history. A seven-time Golden Globe Award nominee, Weaver won both Best Actress in Drama and Best Supporting Actress in 1988 for her work in the films Gorillas in the Mist and Working Girl, becoming the first person to win two acting Golden Globes in the same year. High honor. Um, can I um, just give you an unrelated fact about Gorillas in the Mist? Sure. Mm. Uh, it's a very funny name for a film for um, Germans. Because it just means gorillas in the shit. <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> there's, lot, there's lots more stuff about gorillas in the mist coming up. All right. <laughs> You've ruined it. <laughs> uh, born Susan Alexandra Weaver, she began using the name Sigourney at the age of 14, taking it from a minor character in The Great Gatsby. Weaver attended Yale and admitted that she had a difficult time there. Some of her acting teachers referred to her as talentless and advised her to stick to comedy. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's always nice to prove that sort of asshole wrong, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is, yeah. I've known university people like that, and I, in hindsight, I wish I w would have talked back. <laughs> uh, after making Gorillas in the Shit... Uh, Weaver became a supporter of the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund and is now its honorary chairperson. Weaver's other film roles include Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Dave, Galaxy Quest, Holes, Wally, Avatar, Prayers for Bobby, Paul, The Cabin in the Woods, and A Monster Calls. I've seen some of those films. Uh, I've seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those films. Yeah. Quite like Cabin in the Woods. That's that's pretty good. Ghostbusters. Everyone likes Ghostbusters, except you know, misogynists. Um, Wally's good. Like it's got the the friendly robots in space. That one's fun. Mm -hmm. um, Avatar sure was a thing that happened in two thousand and nine. Sure was. Oh, I'm I'm ready for its thirty seven sequels or whatever. I I haven't seen it since the cinema, so I've, I've got no idea how yeah. it holds up. No one has. No uh, one has. Like it, mm -hmm. it was this huge thing that happened, and then it vanished forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw it three times in the cinema, and both times I got like sort of a creeping headache towards the end because of you know the weird three D effect and sitting there for three hours to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I remember it being fine. It's 
it's dances with wolves with aliens, right? I mean, I've seen it once, and I believe that it was in 3D when I saw it. Mm. The Cabin in the Woods is good, sort of deconstruction of the horror genre. Um, that's pretty fun. Um, and I haven't seen a monster calls because I suspect the monster is cancer, and it would make me cry like really hard. So ah. maybe, maybe I'll watch that at some point. Um, <laughs> Uh, in 2003, Weaver was voted number 20 in Channel 4's countdown of the 100 greatest movie stars of all time. Hang what on, you, t- you didn't tell me whether you'd seen Dave. Uh, Dave, 1993's Dave. Yes. Um, uh, do you know what? I, I don't think I have. Uh, okay, I've seen that one. I've seen a film that you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, so, so that's the third in the series selected then, is it Dave? <laughs> a movie that you ostensibly know more about than I do. I have no special feelings towards the film. It was fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on, I've, I'm I'm just, I'm googling it. Um, 1993. It's a comedy with uh, Kevin Klein. Yeah. Wow. No, I I don't know anything about this. Uh, anything about this movie at all? Scotty Weaver, I believe, plays the first lady in that film. I'm mixing it up with uh, Meet Dave, the 2008 sci-fi film yeah dave is a uh it's a comedy about uh a president impersonator who uh, under circumstances has to be a double for the president for a while and it ends up getting out of hand (laughs) (laughs) oh right yeah okay we'll we'll do that one next uh (laughs) as you know in in such depth uh Um, uh, Ghostbusters. You've seen Ghostbusters, right? I've seen Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters two. Uh, I think I've probably seen it once. Uh, I don't remember anything about it really. Uh, there's a Statue of Liberty thing going there on. There is a Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I think I might like Ghostbusters two more than Ghostbusters, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to air that opinion because it's it's one of the ones that people shame you for. Uh, um, Galaxy Quest. You seen that? I have seen that. Well, good. Um, uh, holes. Have you seen holes? Have I you have seen not... holes? Uh, I've seen like the concept of holes <laughs> in, in in the world, but I don't think I've seen the film. The the film holes. It, I haven't seen it either, but I think it's based on a book that uh, a lot of Americans have read, mm. which is probably why it got made into a film. I don't. Do you think this bit of the podcast where we just sort of guess about films that that neither of us have seen is valid? <laughs> yeah, new podcast. We just uh, take a, a title of a film that neither of us has seen and and do a review of it. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, shit, you know what? I like that idea. I, I like I like the idea of us just picking a film at random that neither of us has seen, trying to guess what it's about, then reading the synopsis, trying to yeah. guess trying to guess more detail and then actually watching the film and seeing how right we were. <laughs> Maybe if we can, what do you reckon? Do you think we can have the, the, the title and also the movie poster? <laughs> <Could you do that? laughs> Go off entirely off that. Oh shit. Oh no, no, I'll talk, I'll talk to you about this later. Cause I'm right. genuinely excited. I quite like, <laughs> I quite like this a lot. <laughs> uh, um, prayers for Bobby. Don't know anything about that one. Um, Paul is that one about an alien? Uh, I, I think still I haven't seen that. I half watched it. I fell asleep. I think um, that's not um, indictment of the film or anything. I was tired. Um, I think I was on a plane actually. Mm. 
Um, where are we? Oh, yes, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Uh, in, in 2003, uh, Sigourney Weaver was voted number 20 in Channel 4's countdown of the 100 greatest movie stars of all time. Only one of two women in the top 20. Hmm. <laughs> On a personal note, uh, I went to see Aliens Live in 2016, which was Aliens shown on a big screen at the Royal Albert Hall with all the music performed live by an orchestra. And um, it was a great experience. I loved it. Um, I'm a big fan of Alien Aliens, as probably comes across in this. And I spent a lot of money on tickets that were very close to the front row. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds very cool. I, I would have been very into it if it had been a film I was extremely into. For sure, it sounds like a good experience. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think I dropped about 200 quid a ticket. Um, but yeah. um, uh, the... Um, the point I'm trying to make here is that the, um, the showing I went to, Sigourney Weaver was there, uh, and I was sitting five seats away from her, and I didn't realize until she stood up to go on stage at the end of the movie, and I think I had some sort of nerd aneurysm. Um, <laughs> I, I literally w- was just blown away. I, I was like, wow, this or- this whole orchestra thing was really cool, but uh, I was very close to Sigourney Weaver, and that was better. Um <laughs> And you were constantly, all the way through, making these loud comments about how her acting wasn't so good in this film as the last one. And yeah. just mm-hmm. farting like a bishop. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, Weaver's not very good in this film compared yes. to her other works. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't say that. I wouldn't. <laughs> If I'd if I'd have said something like that and she'd heard me, I genuinely would have just curled up with shame and formed a little tiny black hole and popped out of the universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a great experience, though. Um, proximity to celebrities notwithstanding. My favorite part about the whole thing was that you could tell whenever something scary was about to happen from the... Um, the violinists all getting ready 30 seconds beforehand. Yeah, got to be ready. Do, do you know they do the, uh, well, I mean, of course you probably know, but you know they do the the sort of scary plinky-plonky like uh, strings noise by just bouncing pencils off violin strings. <laughs> um, well, there's, there's a few ways to achieve effects like that. Um, so uh, one effect, and I, I don't know how to say this properly, but it's something like Colenio or something like that. It is... To use the you use the back of the bow rather than the bit that you usually use on the bow on the violin, mm. uh, and you strike the strings with that, and that's the that's the effect that you hear at the beginning of Mars, the bringer of war, um, mm. where it's kind of a it, it's kind of a string sound, but it's weird and percussive as well, um, and um, uh, that's used quite a lot in this kind of scoring. But um, I hear that violinists really don't like it because <laughs> it damages their expensive bows or it can. Um, and uh, so sometimes when there's going to be that in a performance, they just bring along a cheap bow as well. And I, I guess another way of getting a similar sort of effect would just be kind of dropping pencils onto it and things like that. There's all sorts of weird effects that you can get by doing non-standard things with violins. Yeah, the the, t- the two main things I remember about it were the uh, were the weird sort of pencil tapping. I was like, why did they bring pencil? Oh, okay. I felt like they were doing crosswords in the uh, you know in the downtime, but no. And while I would love to be able to play a musical instrument, I know my limits, and I feel like the only musical instrument I could play there would be the guy who hits a piano with a mallet. 
<laughs> well, look, like, if hop open all the strings there, mash it with a big mallet. That's what I can do. <laughs> if you suddenly got the urge, I wouldn't recommend starting out with the um, uh, w- with the violin. It is an extremely difficult instrument. To learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no! I mean, like who who even are violinists? They're not human. It takes years just to get it to sound all right. <laughs> you know you know how playing the guitar is quite hard and it's got frets. Uh, mm-hmm. Imagine that, but it's right up your fucking nose, and it doesn't. Um. <laughs> I mean, in terms of just getting things to sound all right, the piano is a dream. Like You, you hit a note on the piano and it'll sound as good as the best pianist in the world. Um, it's just putting them all together that's the complicated bit with the piano. Is uh, is pianist the pronunciation you want to go with? Um, is that is that right? <laughs> I don't know. Is pianist pianist? It, it, I don't think it, it matters. It's both. I've got a good joke about a twelve-inch pianist. Um. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think it'll be cut for time. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, a lot of stuff about Sigourney Weaver, who um, she's a really nice person in addition to being a very good actress. Um. All right. Well, <clears throat> I, I feel like um, she's approximately been discussed. We might have spent quite a lot of time talking about violins and uh, <laughs> just films that we've seen or not. But... <laughs> <laughs> films that um, that we've watched and she has been in, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not my laugh. Where, no. where did that come from? That's no one's laugh. That's that, that might, that's a little bit Jimmy Carr. Mm. Very unique laugh. The way he sort of sucks air in. It's like <laughs> it's it, it's yeah. quite hard to do. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how you even develop a laugh like that. <laughs> do you know he lost his virginity when he was twenty six? Mm. Probably because he got that laugh. laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. I feel bad. We, I'm I'm definitely not going to save this one for the outtakes reel. Um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I like I like Jimmy Carr. I don't. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to my podcast. He doesn't. I am indifferent to Jimmy Carr. Um, <laughs> well, well, you know, he's a, he's a um a white English comedian who doesn't seem to be a colossal cunt, and that's so rare. Um, he did do that tax dodging, didn't he? I think. Well, yeah, but we'd all dodge tax if we could. Christ, I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't think I would. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'd be if 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 you know anyone who's a contractor, then they're dodging tax as hard as they can. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I know it's rife, but I I, I feel like taxes are necessary. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with taxes. I enjoy roads and hospitals and whatnot. If I'm gonna dodge taxes i might as well just become a libertarian and then there's no way (laughs) (laughs) oh christ did you read about that libertarian town that got established in america uh oh that sounds like a nightmare oh no it's it's amazing so um this bunch of libertarians basically bought all the land in this town from the council and started doing the thing where you know um uh, you know, they're all oh, everyone for themselves. There's no centralized government, so nobody pays for roads and stuff. So basically, all the roads degenerate, all this kind of yeah. stuff. Um, like every every public service fails, and um, 
like because the people attracted to this lifestyle are you know assholes uh everything just goes to shit in a real quick like there's one guy who starts leaving meat out to attract bears Mm. um yeah it's it's like it's like fucking mad max it's Who could have possibly predicted that would I know, happen? Right. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to find you the story. It's like a long read article, and it's genuinely hilarious. Mm. I don't know how much of this is making it into the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult because it's just um, segued into various bits, which I don't think are making it into. Yeah, the yeah podcast, no, no, that, no, because because that was kind of funny, but um, yeah. but I don't think I want to talk. I don't think I want to demonstrate how we're bad at, at stage laughing. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, I guess we're done with all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So we move here to four into a new section. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you laugh? Just because. You used the word heretofore? Am, like, am I not allowed to use the word heretofore as I usually do in conversation? Um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we move, therefore, whence into, <laughs> into a segment, uh, woe begone. Um, <laughs> uh, this section of the podcast. <laughs> Is the one where I answer any questions you had last time. Did I have any? Um, not per se, no. But um, it came up briefly previously before the Alien RPG and how they deal with the fact that um, the technology in the game is obviously of the 70s, but is somehow also from the 2170s. Um, right. And I, I looked up the section in the rulebook. It wasn't as clear as I remembered, but um, uh, here's what they had to say. Uh, After several data losses from electromagnetic pulses in the first half of the 21st century, the move was made to reintroduce and reinforce physical data storage. Wellencorp scientists took optical disk media and enhanced it to the next level. The result is a nano-optical long data memory disk. Called LDs, each disk can store up to 10 zettabytes of data. All records are backed up on these discs as a matter of course in case of an electromagnetic discharge. So I, I, I like the idea that they've run with for the RPG that mm-hmm. obviously the technology in the future is, um, y- you know, looks retro to us. But behind the scenes, under the, you know, casing, it's orders of magnitude better than the technology we have now. <laughs> Yeah, sure. It, it it half makes sense. It doesn't really explain why the screens are so shit, but <laughs> it, it, um, I, we can live with it. Yeah, yeah. But as some of that is also covered elsewhere in a section I couldn't quite find. I th- I remember reading it, but I can't find it in the books. Um, that basically they had to, you know, they people elsewhere do still have cool smartphones or whatever, but space is hard on electronics, and they had to go back to more ruggedized looking things so that explains why everything is uh lo-fi to us now yeah i mean it honestly doesn't matter to me as far as i'm concerned it's just an aesthetic and you can gloss over this stuff oh yeah no Uh, no of course uh, i just i just like it back to the future 2 wasn't ruined for me because we are long past 2015 now and (laughs) it wasn't like that it's fine (laughs) Uh, I had an I'm getting old moment last night when I was looking at uh, a film 
that I watched as a child, and it's set in the distant future year of 2022. And I was like, oh, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) They're on the fucking moon. Why aren't we on the moon? Because of Bitcoin, that's why. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could could put it, lay it all at Bitcoin store. (laughs) No. Well, with all of that, it's finally time for us to start watching the movie. We're watching minutes 16 to 24 of Alien, and as always, this isn't a watch-along podcast, so, like, don't. So don't do that. Stop it. Stop it right now. Go and watch the film, and then listen to all of the podcasts. Just do that. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. that's the way normal people would go about this. I mean, arguably. <laughs> uh, how this works is that I have a bulleted list of... Uh, do you know what? I introduce this every time. You do it. Uh, how this works uh, is that Kieran has made a series of notes about what happens at each moment of the uh, film, and he's going to introduce each moment with those notes, and then we are going to, if necessary, discuss uh, that little bit of the film and then move on. I like the I like the use of the word necessary, implying that it's like a moral directive. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm going to say sometimes, like just Ash walks down a plain corridor is <laughs> maybe not necessary to have a half an hour discussion, or it is sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> that does develop into a half an hour discussion. We just don't know. Alice does a sexy look at the camera. Yeah, the Nostromo continues to descend. So uh, on the director's commentary here, Ridley Scott was mad, really mad that they couldn't get the lights on the bottom of the Nostromo to be in straight lines. Um, But they had to give up trying because they were running out of time. So that's what you get. (laughs) I mean, I think we we, we touched on it last time, but uh, I do enjoy just how long this whole bit takes. So they, they take their sweet time over it. Yeah, again, it's it's part of the whole thing of building suspense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, as I think you said last time, in a modern film, it would be like click, 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 and now we're down on the surface. Yes. Um, but it really helps build the sense that this isn't something that they do normally. They're all talking to each other. There's all this flight management back and forth. They're telling people to do stuff. Everyone seems concerned about the whole process. Yeah, they seem a bit nervous. Um, from the outside here, we're seeing the third scale model of the Nostromo, which is four feet long. Hmm. Uh, the gas venting from it is carbon dioxide, which is being effectively sprayed by fire extinguishers. And everything is being blown around by a gigantic fan in front of it on the stage. What about the lights on the bottom of the ship? They do look a little bit like Christmas lights. I, w- I was going to say, before before we recorded this, you did mention they look like Christmas lights. I mean, I assume that they're just little bulbs. Um, yeah. Uh, I may be able to find out more. I've, I've been planning to research the Nostromo for one of my let's not talk about the things. But it, it's surprisingly hard to research stuff for Alien because, mm. A, it's such a nondescript word, right? I mean, it's like, it's almost as bad as Thing. So um, yeah. you can't ding me for that. It's the title of the 
film. No, it's it's, it's very hard to um, like if you type alien and something, then you'll get those grey aliens that everyone was super into in the nineties. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but also there are lots of alien films. Yeah, so. and. And and I I have a lot I have a lot of alien books um, mm. which I you know I've been using for research for this but um, they are often not laid out in a useful fashion. Um, mm. <laughs> the one I've been using a lot for some of this is uh, the Making of Alien by J W Rinsler, which is really excellent read, a really good read. Um, uh, but it's not great from the point of view using it for research because it's laid out in chronological order of when things happened in the filming. Um, and as you know, of course, um, when you're making a film, you jump back and forth in time constantly throughout it. So while it's an excellent read, like a really good book, and I've read it a couple of times, um, I often think, ah, I'll look that thing up, and then I go, where in the book is it? And I have to sit and I like read through the entire thing. Just a fun thing I'm looking for. Hmm. The Nostromo touches down, one foot landing awkwardly on some rocks. See, to me, I think the landing looks quite graceful. I, I, it was only the second time that I, uh, I, I watched, I really properly noticed the kind of rock that it lands a little bit awkwardly on it. But hmm. whenever I've watched this scene, I've been like, oh, great, they nailed it brilliant this is lovely and gentle and then it cuts to the inside where everything's going wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, you do have to be noticing that one of those toes lands really badly um yeah uh that um that close-up leg of the nostroma there is a foot across <laughs> you can't tell can you no it's, um, it's very well done alarms blare and the ship shakes the bridge filling with smoke uh, they're continuing the storied history of all sci-fi ships exploding on the bridge when something goes a little bit wrong elsewhere in the ship, aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I can believe this more of the Nostromo than I can of the Enterprise in TNG. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think that even maybe part of what makes this uh, quite effective uh, for me is that um, even though it didn't look like much was happening on the outside, um, they are just rattling around like mad on the inside, mm. which makes me feel like the ship is very big and <laughs> what looks like little jolts on the outside are actually causing massive <laughs> rumbles on the inside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this whole sequence here where the fire on the bridge and then putting it out and the smoke and everything had to be filmed in one day because of the hasty scheduling of the film. The crew desperately tried to find out what's wrong with the ship. Yeah, I didn't catch much of this conversation that's happening over the um, uh, over the radio e either time that we watched this. Actually, um, mm. I, I I'm not quite clear on what the exact issue is. Well, um, the during the the bit where the fire is going on, they're desperately trying to find out whether the hull is breached, which I can see as being a big concern to them. But when Parker and Brett are talking, they're just kind of going through an itemized list of just stuff that's gone wrong. Uh, like a bunch of things on the ship have blown for some reason. And um, a thing they're very concerned about is that a lot of dust and particulates have got into something that they shouldn't have gotten into. And now they need to be scrubbed out. Yeah, they're worried about the ducts. Uh, yeah, they've got to fix all the ducts and to fix the ducts. They have to dry dock. Mm. 
you can't fix it out here in space, which, which raises an interesting point. Uh, what if they landed and then they couldn't take off again? You know, what if it damaged well, something very serious? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess this is one of the reasons why they were worried about this whole thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, a little later, Brett and Parker are on the radio trying to explain the damage to the ship, uh, mm. as we just said. And um, I really like the classic example of padding your estimates, um, where, yeah. um, <laughs> where, where where Brett says it'll take 17 hours to fix it, and uh, Parker says, oh, at least 25 hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's true, though. You've got to do it. I, I, I have found that everything takes about twice as long as i assume it's gonna take yeah, every, every, everything takes longer than you than you think yeah. it does so you know you gotta you gotta add a little wiggle room at the end <laughs> yeah um but i was thinking through this whole sequence that and, and i'm sure it will get revealed but i can't really remember why this is a plot point because i know they land on the planet i know that uh uh, eventually Kane is going to get out he's going to stick his face into an egg spoilers um and <laughs> spoilers and that's going to start the plot up basically mm. um uh i don't know why they need to be grounded for that to happen because they they're already going out to do that during during this segment i'm i'm sure that becomes relevant at some point mm. in the future but at the moment i'm I I do not recall why this has to be a plot point. I mean, for me, there are two reasons why this is a big plot point, and I mm. like this is you know just me saying stuff, so I don't know how much it ties in with what they were thinking when they wrote the script. Mm. But uh, obviously, a it gives the engineers something to do in the film while sure. um while you know um everyone else is off gallivanting around so they're not just literally just sitting there going well we landed perfectly i guess we'll have a beer uh, <laughs> that makes sense um and also there's a throwaway line um uh, about the damage to the ship which is probably coming up um i would say in episode six where ripley is itemizing the things that are still wrong with the ship to dallas and one of them seems very important but they just like oh fuck it well let's get out of here we don't i don't want to wait here anymore i don't want to be on this planet um do you want to tell you what it is now or do you want to wait and i'll point it out then uh let's keep ourselves in suspense oh uh, yeah okay okay that's fine um i hope we don't miss it the next time it comes up i'll try and remember <laughs> uh, i i'm sure like what once i what what i'll see if i can notice it what it is let's mm. how about that uh, I'll give you a little aid memoir then. Uh, it's when Dallas is asking how long the repairs are going to take to be finished, and Ripley said, well, they're basically done. Uh, then he starts freaking out, and she explains what's left to do, and one of them in there seems quite important. Right, okay. Mm. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll I'll look out for it. So, um, again, this whole scene is carrying on the sort of upstairs, downstairs theme that they've, they're setting up, you know, the white collar versus blue collar guys. Um, Ripley seems a little bit micromanagey here uh, <laughs> with her uh, sort of asking for breakdowns. And she's like, well, I'm going to come down there. And they're like, why? <laughs> why are you coming down here? <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. We see the Nostromo from outside, the wind howling around it. So um, if you look closely, you can see the crew moving around inside the windows. Um, this is a compositing technique and a variation on a later technique called introvision. 
um, which lets you just merge two scenes together using rear projection. All right. It's uh, it's done in camera rather than like fiddling around later. The crew discuss the distress call. Uh, it's not responding to them. That's that's interesting um, and doesn't bode that well, surely. I mean, uh, um, if you receive an alien distress call and you reply to it and they don't reply back. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's all adding to the mystery, you know, but I don't think... Uh, I think the standard sort of story in this genre at this point was that they'd go to investigate the thing and it would turn out to be uh, that all of the crew are dead and then uh, the monster is still on board and it attacks them or something like that. I mean, uh, that, is, that is the plot, yes. <laughs> but it's sl- it's done slightly differently here, right? Because mm, it's, yeah. not, it's not quite that. It's, no. It, it, it happens in a slightly different order. And, uh, no, you're uh, right, you're right. And uh, so I think it 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 plays with that kind of expectation of what they're going to find in in an interesting sort of way. Mm. But we're probably getting a little bit of ahead of, ahead of ourselves there. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, this is off topic, but not really. Did did you see that um, that terrible hot take about Alien that was floating around um, a little while ago uh, on, on Twitter? N- no, what was it? Um, okay, so uh, it was a, a lady who was, uh, I think she was a writer for The Guardian, uh, and she said, Alien isn't a horror film because no horror film can be set in space. What? That was the take. No horror film can be set in space. Okay. Uh, because if it's in space, it's sci-fi. <laughs> All right, okay. And it can't be two things. It can't be two things. No, yeah. Films famously only in one genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, but like, I I loved I loved it. I I love how ridiculously prescriptive it is. Like, um, yeah. action films cannot contain cars because that makes them racing movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose Spaceballs wasn't a comedy as well. Then no, no, yeah. it was a sci-fi. Only a yeah. sci-fi. Only. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved it. I genuinely loved it because it was the most ratioed tweet I've ever seen. It's like seven likes and 100 billion quote tweets and replies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The the author tried to play it off as well. Like like a little while afterwards, there was a tweet which is like, I made a joke and film Twitter is is blowing up about it. Uh, like it, it wasn't a joke. Clearly it was an opinion you had that you thought made you sound smart, but everyone was like, What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all done that. <laughs> I was making a funny joke move, but usually like in our teens. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I have played a trick upon you and you've fallen into my web. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, it like what was worse or better? I guess is that it got retweeted onto my timeline, and it just made so little sense that I just looked at it, thought, Whoa, and then carried on. And then I didn't, I didn't realize that it was a genuine opinion, like that someone could possibly hold. It was, uh, it was the tweet is literally something like, um, ho- like no film set in space can be a horror film. Like, have you seen Event Horizon? <laughs> yeah. 
have you seen appropriate enough alien you know what many people consider to be one of the most archetypal horror films of all time it's a haunted house movie in space um, <laughs> but no it's a sci-fi film apparently yeah i mean as i've said before about oh. this kind of uh, pedantry like if you're gonna be really pedantic about how things are defined and what they really mean and all of that kind of business then you are just going to be sorting out the history of language <laughs> for the rest of your life because it's a mess it doesn't matter as much yeah. as you think it does oh no oh this genuinely is one of the best tweets I've ever seen though obviously you know in a bad way uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> oh, back to the podcast, I guess. Uh, the crew start gathering information about the planetoid. So um, Ash is like earning his uh, his science officer money here. Let me give you some of the things he reels off. Um, planet's got a nitrogen atmosphere with carbon dioxide crystals and methane. Uh, it's a rock with a lava base, and it's deep cold, well below the line. Hmm. What's the line, Peter? Uh, I don't think it's anything. It's just, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's just something they made up to make it sound like he knew what he was talking about. I, uh, it's, it sounds like the sort of thing I would say in a conversation where I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I was hoping that no one would press me on that point. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, it's just the same as uh, someone looking at a screen and saying something like, "These readings are off the chart," yeah. um, <laughs> and it, it's. <laughs> No, they're on the chart. The you can, thing, you can it? see them. Yeah. The chart's right there. Yeah. Still, it sounds like a fairly uninviting place, which um, makes you wonder why they choose to colonize it in aliens. Uh, sure, yeah. Mm. But I guess we'll get to that when and if we do aliens. Business. <laughs> they plan who should go out to the source of the signal. So um, Kane volunteers here, which uh, you mentioned at the time seems like a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> worst decision and one of the last decisions of his life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Although, actually, well, arguably he makes worse decisions later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like that decision that he makes that you're talking about is not one I would make in his position. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would be breaking the sound barrier. Spoilers. <laughs> um, um, it's an interesting team that gets picked. So Dallas picks himself because he's the captain. Um, yeah. and as you know from um hidden role games, you have to pick yourself if you're the captain. I guess. Um, and uh, Kane volunteers, and Lambert is voluntold that she has to go. Yeah, but why them specifically? So Dallas is the captain, Kane yeah. is the executive officer, and Lambert is the navigator. Why the navigator? That's an odd choice, isn't it? Mm. If the navigator had an accident, they wouldn't be able to fly through space. Yeah, navigate. <laughs> See, um. I guess you really have to go through the other people then. So Ash has to stay on board because, you know, he's their science guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could talk any of the engineers into going out, not without paying them more money because Christ, you heard what you've heard what they're like already. Yeah. <laughs> so that eliminates them. So the only person we've got left then is uh, Ripley. 
But I, I mean, I, I think that would be the choice if I mm. were in charge because uh, she's not really doing any warranting right now. And <laughs> like, yeah, but she is though. She's overseeing the engineering repairs. Okay, so but... um, I, I get the impression that um, the rest of the crew don't necessarily respect Lambert that much, and mm. also she's not really in the chain of command. So, um, if if the the top three like members of crew of the ship, uh, I, and I know that happens in Star Trek, but you know whatever, uh, like all leave the ship at once, then um, you know it's a bit of a party day on the rest of the ship, right? <laughs> well, I, I don't remember what answer Lambert gives, but she gives a kind of sarcastic response to being chosen. Yeah, she's she's not thrilled, <laughs> which makes it sound like she's. Uh, she both doesn't really like that she's been chosen, but also knows that she's not going to be able to argue with this one mm. in any way, and so is kind of resigned to it. Yeah, I mean that—that's the reasoning for me—is that Ripley has to stay on board to oversee the engineering repairs. Sure, um, but also, I mean, from a filmmaking point of view, Ripley has to stay on board so that she doesn't immediately grasp the danger that they're all in. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, I just thought it would be interesting to discuss, and we have discussed it. And if it was interesting, write in and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't interesting, then just keep that to yourself. Yeah, if it wasn't interesting, then why would you say that to us? I'm going to yeah. cry. A little later, the crew prepare for the mission. So um, Ash is running on the spot here uh, in his little flight suit. Uh, why is he doing that, do you think? I don't know. Uh, what I have um, is weird little wiggly jog from Ash here. Um, it's <laughs> it's like it's not like he's doing a whole exercise. He he just do, he just does a very quick little squiggle and and then he's done. It's it's an, it's an odd movement to me. So um, the reason this little jog was inserted um, was to draw your attention back to ash and also like it's something out of the ordinary something not normal that he's yeah. doing so it's all you you see it and you go oh that was weird um yeah and it's sort of uh, foreshadowing some of the weird stuff with ash later yeah um the scene was actually ian holmes suggestion to ridley scott that uh, they do something to heighten the suspicion on ash mm. uh, yeah and i think it does work because you get you constantly get the sense with ash that even though uh th there's nothing directly pointing at him there's just some oddness about his character that makes mm. you feel that he's got some sort of agenda and interestingly enough after the initial shots that we were talking about uh i think in episode one where you know they're all together you know, effectively as a family around that breakfast table. Mm -hmm. um, he's always kind of off and alone on his own in all of the subsequent shots. Like, like everyone else is gathered at the table and he'll be somewhere else in the room, um, yeah. like not with anybody. And that again, sort of isolates him in your brain. Yeah. But yeah, that whole scene was basically inserted just to make you go, why does he do that? The uh, vague justification is sort of like maybe he's he's got the android equivalent of arthritis at this point you know maybe he's running down a bit yeah may maybe that's just a 
robots don't have to do like uh, half an hour exercise as a uh, as a warm up. They can get it all done in like a second. That's like super exercise. Jiggly, jiggly, yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, very fast <laughs> jiggles, and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas, Lambert, and Kane use the airlock and a lift to reach the surface. Uh, I really like the airlock that they've built with the things that open, and then when the door opens, all the atmosphere just comes boiling in. Like, it's a really great effect. Um, mm. Basically, they're standing on a forklift and being lowered out of shot. Uh- <laughs> I mean, the, the 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 bit that I really liked about this shot, and I do really like this shot, is that you do get a much better sense of just how big the shivers mm. with, with them coming out kind of next to one of those feet. Uh, and it's very huge. Mm. Um, you really bring up an interesting point there that I've got lots to talk about. Um, mm. So how, um, how big across do you think one of those landing legs is? Sorry, are you saying how long is it? Sir? Is one of those feet supposed to be in, in the fiction or what, what are you saying? Uh, uh, sorry, let me be clear. So um, how big was the prop they had to build for the landing leg? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, I I don't know how much of it was real or how much of it was like painted or what was going on with that set. But if if that's just a set, then it's just a set, yeah. Then that's got to be I don't know. That's got to be like fifty meters across, surely. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm just going from memory. Yeah, the um me. the the landing leg itself. Uh, each of the landing legs is eighteen meters across. Uh- oh right, okay. That's <laughs> that's smaller than I thought. But it, mm. like because uh, I. Yeah, in my head, it's just massive. <laughs> yeah, and the reason the reason it might appear more massive than you think is that um, the three actors in those spacesuits are children. They're child. Ah. They're <laughs> child-sized spacesuits <laughs> with uh, Ridley Scott's two sons and the cinematographer Derek Van Lint's son in. Those sneaky little shits. <laughs> <laughs> so that might explain why it's so off in your mind, because, um, yeah, they are tiny people in those suits. <laughs> that that might explain why I thought it was about twice as big as it actually is. Yeah, <laughs> But it's 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 a lovely trick, isn't it? I mean, mm. like, you, you cannot tell. And, um, yeah, and, and Ridley Scott basically did it with the, the actors in the full-size suits and went, no, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look big enough. Look but big they enough. couldn't build huh. the legs any bigger. That's interesting. So so they had the prop department manufacture child-sized suits and then hunt down some children to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wind here is again being blown by really big fans. Um, and uh, do you want to hazard a guess what they're blowing all over the suits? Uh, you know, the surface of the planet. Oh, uh, is it just more carbon dioxide? Uh, well, there, there's some in the in the fog, but the the, the chunky particles are a substance called vermiculite, uh, oh, okay. which is which is a sort of ground up rock, um, which often contains asbestos. Oh, great! Uh, yes, <laughs> so uh, all of the crew were wearing like you know masks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they wouldn't blow into their lungs. Not fun. I think it would be easier to get materials for films that aren't just going to kill you. It probably is now. Um, mm. uh, it's just like how we talked about the thing last time, you know, yeah. uh, and that bit in the room where the body is smoking in front of them and they're all coughing, and it's because <laughs> it's covered in AB foam, which is burning their lungs out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, health and safety laws get more complicated yeah. with each passing year. 
health and safety laws like sometimes useful take note libertarians yeah generally uh, <laughs> oh you can't leave a call back to the libertarians now i have to go and find oh, yeah, that we, section we, and we, and we cut, cut it that. back into the podcast yeah, we could put it in now we could <laughs> oh god um, uh, um back to the podcast i guess ash moves around in the science blister setting up communications with the team so i i don't know why it is Ash's job to communicate with the team on this excursion. I, I don't get that bit. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, science, isn't it? They don't know what they're going to see or what they're going to experience. I mean, it makes sense from the point of view of just... Uh, I mean, I guess if they had a dedicated communications officer, he and Ash would yeah. work together, but they don't. So uh, I get the impression that he is... Um, like they could have Ripley talking to them because she seems to have yeah. communications as we saw previously. Um, but then they'd be literally sitting in the same room, do- ironically doing that thing that she did in Galaxy Quest, you know, where she people ask her a question, she asks the computer the question, then she repeats it back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think as we've sort of established by this point, Ash and Ripley don't really like each other, so maybe no, they, they wouldn't do that. Don't seem to. Um, I. Uh, uh, I like that Ash has a little wheelie chair here that moves around on rails on the floor. Um, when I saw this, and I was thinking about it for the podcast, I was like, why doesn't he just have a chair with wheels? Um, but then, you know, uh, space and, <laughs> and, yeah. and space turbulence and whatnot. I can't imagine sitting in a, it's probably the same reason they don't have wheelie chairs in airplanes. You know, it would be yeah. a fucking disaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice when I can figure these things out on my own, despite how smooth brain I am. Ridley Scott uh, describes the uh, science blister that Ash is in as fascistic, um, which is an interesting word. It there is something vaguely sinister about it, but I don't know whether it it's it's tricky because I don't know whether it's because it reminds me of uh, Palpatine's throne room in Star mm. Wars, but that came after it did. So, uh, yeah. So is it that association that's making me agree with that, or what? I, I guess I'm think, thinking. Why did Ridley Scott think it, it looked fascistic? Because it wasn't because of the throne room. I mean, it do, it does have a sort of throne room vibe, even right. if you exclude uh, Star Wars, which is coming out concurrently, sort and a little later than this. Yeah. Um, he's you know he's in his his special chair in his special window silhouetted by the light outside yeah it's sort of the, this window from which you can see everything maybe there's something a bit mm. sinister about that in some way yeah you're kind of looking down on everyone else from on high he even does a little wave with his fingers to see yeah. him which obviously they can't see because of the nightmarish surface of the planet they're on yeah uh the team wander off into the distance back on the ship Parker and Brett argue with Ripley about their bonuses. Oh, back to the bonuses again. Uh, there's an excellent line here that I love. Ripley clearly going to the Jafar school of dramatic irony when she's like, right. you'll get whatever's coming to you. No, I was <laughs> going to say exactly the same thing. I, I'm not quite sure the um, dramatic irony here is um, is Ripley in on the whole alien thing here <laughs> at the moment or what's going on there? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's a real weird line from her at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess she's implying that she's going to 
have them reprimanded for being lazy assholes. That's the right. only thing I can think of. She's not like, you know, well, you're going to have your brains torn out by an alien and you're going to be eviscerated as it hoists you up. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> but also, they, they're just going very out of their way to just rile her up constantly as well. You'll get whatever's coming to you. Um, <laughs> uh, along those lines, Yafit Koto um, was actually told by Ridley Scott out of character to annoy Sigourney Weaver as much as possible. Hmm. Uh, so he had this campaign of like, um, like mild pranks and annoyance he was putting her through just so that her <laughs> developed hatred of him as an actor would come through in the character more. <laughs> Yeah, would like uh, would like Sigourney Weaver to um, legitimately hate you if possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you could just ruin your working relationship with her, that would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you, if you could, <laughs> if you really piss her off at least once a day, just something, you yeah. know, like put soap in her coffee, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, just make her hate you. <laughs> yeah. Just- just kind of get go up behind her and mess with her head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, breathe on her neck, you know. It's yeah. something something weird, something something yeah. creepy. Oh god. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 good you mentioned that they they are going out of her way to piss her off because the next line I've got written down is uh, they annoy her and she leaves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I like I like that the first thing he does when she goes is turn off the noisy gas, which has been making it impossible to speak. So right. it's clear he can just do that. It's just <laughs> it's yes. just he's had it on to annoy her. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's it's a nice it's a it's a moment of levity, I guess, in a way, but also mm. it's showing more tension between the the crew at the mm. same time. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I, I would be concerned about like something in a spaceship that was just spraying a gas everywhere, but as we'll learn later, this spaceship can just spray gases at random, right. and that's fine. Um, <laughs> um, it's actually carbon dioxide that they're spraying out here again, so um, you know, gotta act quickly or you'll suffocate. Um, yes. <laughs> we see the wind blowing over the surface of the planet, the crew growing closer. Mm. So here we see those suits, and we're cutting in between um, close-ups of the actors in actual full-size suits, and um, you know, from the back, Ridley Scotts and the the cinematographers' kids moving around in like little child-size suits, hmm. uh, and um, the suits were a fucking nightmare. Um, yeah. The spacesuits are huge and bulky, lined with nylon, with no outlets for breath or condensation. So uh, under the studio lights, all the actors kept passing out. Um, oh and, God, really? Yeah, <laughs> a nurse. A nurse had to be kept on standby to keep supplying them oxygen from a tank. Wow! After the children were put in their suits and they started passing out as well, modifications cool. were made to all of the spacesuits. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, that, I like that it reaches the point where, where Ridley Scott almost kills his own children and it's like well, maybe we should do something about this now Tom Skerritt can die I mean we've got all of his stuff filmed but probably shouldn't murder my own children uh, my <laughs> wife will be furious <laughs> you know for all the money you can potentially get at the top end sometimes being an actor really doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> <laughs> um you might notice as they're walking around that some sort of vapor keeps spraying from the tops of the spacesuit helmets um, mm. as they're moving around. And um, 
this was supposed to be like you know exhausted air from the air supply system yeah uh, and it was actually just a household aerosol spray that had been set up to spray uh, out oh, okay. the top thing as they're walking around and uh, in one case one of them failed and just started spraying continuously inside the helmet uh, filling it with poisonous aerosol uh- <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> just when you couldn't think these suits could get any better <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, Back on the ship, Ripley quizzes Ash about the content of the transmission, running it through Mother. So uh, Ridley Scott here says he's he's ramping up the tension between Ripley and Ash. It's clear from this this little you know it's a workman like conversation that you might have with a coworker, but it's clear they don't like each other. Mm -hmm. The transmission appears as sort of a screen full of ones and zeros that Ripley is resignedly looking at, and I like that. That's the future. just uh, there's nothing else on that screen except ones and zeros. Yeah, just extremely low level language <laughs> that you have to know off by heart. And uh, there's a brilliant little bit here where there's a little shot of Jonesy. I love him. Yeah, I love him. He's he's a, he's a great little cat and uh, True he's, protagonist. He's just there. He's yeah. He's he's the real star of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually published a. A graphic novel a little while ago, which is uh, Alien from the point of view of Jonesy. I love it. I'd read that. It's really good. I'll lend it to you. It's uh, it is it is really great. Uh, it's just him, you know, going around and playing, and there's all this horrendous stuff going on in the background that he largely ignores. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we cut back to Dallas walking as the sun rises over a bleak landscape. The landscape here was designed by H.R. Giger. Uh, mm. And it was built by art director Les Dilly at a one twenty fourth scale miniature, which is you know the one that they're showing for like the sunrise and things like that, uh, which was then molded and cast and scaled up for giant wooden fiberglass forms for the actual set. They imported several tons of sand, plaster, fiberglass, rock, and gravel just to build the desert on the studio for the crew to walk through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we leave this episode. That's, it is. Um, yeah, we've uh, once again. It feels like it's a kind of natural break point mm. where we've just had one thing happen. They've uh, landed and they've gone out uh, to investigate, and now the next part of the plot, the very important part of the plot, I feel can begin. I don't mm. know whether we're gonna. F- fully get into the plot during the next eight minutes or whether it's going to take a bit longer uh but i feel like we might get there in the next eight minutes how do you feel about that um i think i i think we're, we're gonna have a little bit longer to go mm. i i reckon we might we might get to some exciting stuff right at the end but uh okay maybe not well i suppose this is what i have to do in in, in a second is, is yeah make my make my guesses can I just say I was sort of hoping it would just end on the cut of Jonesy, and I was I was tempted to just end it there, even though it wasn't really eight minutes. But no, that would be against the spirit of the mm-hmm. podcast. It would be against the rules which we had written on that vellum scroll. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if anyone is watching along with us, which they shouldn't be doing, they definitely shouldn't be doing. <laughs> then they would know what yeah. we've done. They'd, they'd know our crimes. Mm. 
Uh, it's interesting that you bring up your what happens next because I realize now that I forgot to ask you before we started watching the movie uh, <laughs> how you felt about your comparisons from last time. So let's do them now. Um, oh, right, right. Okay. What did I yeah, say was going to happen? Uh, well, you said you said who's infected. Um, again, nobody. Nobody's yeah. infected? Question yeah. mark. Um, <laughs> so you say what happens next? They land on the planet and some people, not Ripley, but including Kane, Start exploring around some sort of alien structure. Okay, H- how do you th- how do you feel about? It? I think you got the gist, but uh, we're still not there on that whole alien structure, Dealy. Uh, yeah, we did. We didn't get to the alien structure, but they certainly have started to go out to explore. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm I feel like y- you can basically give me that one. Well, can, well, I'm the I'm the points hander outer here. I yes, will give I'm you telling you what points to hand out. Not point seven five points. <laughs> mm, that feels a bit stingy to me. Just because they st- did didn't get to the alien structure doesn't mean that it's not there. They don't even know an alien structure exists. It could be an ice cream van. <laughs> they know that there's some sort of distress signal that doesn't seem not alien. <laughs> Human. <laughs> yeah. Is that the word you were going for? Sure. Um, oh, all right. Um, so, so what? Who's infected now, Peter? Um, Jonesy's ringworm. <laughs> yeah. Jonesy's got all sorts of problems. Um, uh, they, uh, you know, we've still got the problem of Ash having some sort of. Uh, robot disease that is making his bones jiggle a lot um so what what happens next what what do you think happens and do you think it involves some sort of alien structure uh, i do think it involves some sort of alien structure and i think we are going to see a bit more of the uh the ground team finding the source of the signal and going in to 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 look at what's going on there. I think there's going to be more shenanigans and kind of uh, tense conversations on the inside as well, maybe just to uh, just to give us something else to look at while that investigation is happening as well. But, intense conversations on the ship. Yeah, on the ship. But the main point of this uh, this segment is going to be to discover there's something weird on the planet. Ooh. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what that could possibly be. <laughs> it does feel weird that that we just know <laughs> know what's coming up next. Yeah, I mean, as I say, this I, I'm not intensely familiar with this film, so there are bits that I forget. Like I I've, I forgot about the whole ship getting damaged when it lands part, but I more or less know what happens in this film. It's fair to say. I, I think I, I'm going to get confused again, more confused, I think, towards the middle and end of the film, because I know a bunch of stuff happens, but I can't quite remember in what order that it, it all happens. So I'm definitely going to get less accurate as we get further in. Yeah, it's interesting, because I, I was thinking about some of the things the other day, and I was like, uh, there's a couple of things, and I'm not sure of the precise order of them. I like, like I know all the story beats like very well from here on through, but there's a couple of them that I think I'm mixing up in my head, and I guess we'll find out as we uh, yeah. watch more of the film. Like, when, when you start asking me, uh, like, when, when people start dying, spoiler, people are going to start dying, um, 
I will not be able to tell you the order that that's going to happen in. Number one, sure, I think yeah, I, I think I got that one. But, I, I'm, I'm not going to give you a point for knowing who dies first. Yeah, <laughs> but but all of the others, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Well, that's a good idea. Let's 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 keep track of that. Who dies next? There we go. Who who you... dies next is a good question to start asking after we, yeah. after number one. Yeah, yeah good idea. Uh, are you going to say Kane dies next? <laughs> I am going to say Kane dies next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll make a note of that. I won't. Mm-hmm. Um. So now it just behooves me to ask. Uh, I've decided I'm committed to behooves. Uh, mm. It behooves me to ask. Uh, what are you thinking of the film so far? You've seen 24 minutes of it, which is um about a quarter of the runtime. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, it's difficult to compare to The Thing, but there's something about how this film is shot and how the the pacing of it and the uh, the the scoring of it and just uh, the aesthetics of it as well that I I am enjoying more than I was enjoying The Thing to this point. I definitely enjoyed watching both films, but this. Uh, I feel myself getting into this one when I when I watch it in in detail in, mm. uh, in more so than I than I did for for the thing at this point. So we'll see how that that progresses. It's probably just because it's a sci-fi film, you know. Definitely not a horror film, um, right? Yeah, it's the genre. Horror, I, I'm I'm into sci-fi. Space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've fallen into my trap, you imbeciles. <laughs> of course, that's not a real opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, you out there, the listener, if you have any questions or comments, God, we'd love an email from you. I would be behooven if you send me an email. <laughs> that's not a word. And if it was, that would not be the correct use of it. I, yeah, thinking about it, it does sort of sound like it means that I would have hooves. Um. Yeah, <laughs> which you know. Oh, uh, I mean, I haven't really used these feet much in the last year. I could give hooves a go. <laughs> Nevertheless, probably can't be caused by emails. <laughs> uh, won't fix. Um. <laughs> can't replicate. Um, where were we? Oh, yes, emails. Um. Yeah, uh, what's the email address? <laughs> I forgot it. I um, know you set all of this shit up. I did. I, did. Uh, I tell you what, this week it's um, podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. Well done, Kieran, on remembering the name of your podcast. I feel like I deserve a cookie. Now, is that an 8 with the number 8 or the word 8? Yes, I bought both domains. Clever boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, I really wish I'd picked a name which doesn't have a number in it. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it should work if you use either of them. Why not test that? Why not send us two emails just in case the first one doesn't arrive? Please email us. I'm so lonely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess now we are behooven to perform no, the act. Stop this. <laughs> no. I'll turn this podcast right around. I guess now. 
we have been behoofed into uh, saying the outro. So uh, I can be found on the internet on Twitter, Kieran J. Walsh, and he can be found on the internet as Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the food and pie like the bird. No, no, it's, 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 it's Kestrel like the bird and it's pie like the irrational number. No food involved. Unless um, you eat kestrels, you monster. It, oh, I mean, I do like chicken. I think I could give kestrel a go, you know what I mean? Mm. Is, it, um, is it like the Ortolan where you have to eat it under a cloth to hide your sin from God? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it'll go down lovely with my uh, weekly peregrine falcon egg omelette. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining me, Peter. It's been wonderful. And thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Um, thank you for our sponsor, um, Nobody, who really want you to buy nothing. Um, mm. <laughs> good, goodbye. 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 Bye.